25 seconds left to play. You're listening to the Matt Wyatt Show. I want winners. This crowd is alive. Play to win the game. Wyatt from the shotgun, two backs alongside. Knock him out, John. Wyatt gets the ball. It won't be long. Wyatt back to throw. Wyatt looks. Fires toward the end zone. Passes. Caught for touchdown by Matthew Butler. Speak to. They are who we thought they were. And we let them out the hole. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Let's go scatter the west right tight. That's left. 372 wide sticks. He's The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, how am I going to go to college? I'll just play football. Yes, sir. Hour number two has begun. I kind of sound like the Arkansas coach, didn't I? Yes, sir. That's what he does. Here we go. Off and running. Hour number two in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance. Hometown heroes, local agents in all 82 counties across the great state of Mississippi. And we also stay connected to you around the clock because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, where they are customer inspired. And again, I've told you about the C Spire Health app before. Just a reminder, I think you ought to check it out. The C Spire Health app. If you're a C Spire customer, go sign up, cspirehealth.com. You can read all the details there. But it puts an app on your phone, the C Spire Health app. And what that means is you can avoid maybe an, an an unnecessary trip long trip you know to a doctor's office or to a you know worst a, a an emergency room if it's not needed and you have a minor ailment so you get maybe just a minor sickness you're under the weather uh, rather than you know drive 45 minutes whatever it is and go sit in a doctor's office if it's minor and certainly there you know look there are Statistics will show you there are a lot of emergency room visits throughout the year that are not necessary. Gives you the ability to pull up on your phone, click that app, and within seconds, you are video chatting live with a medical professional at University Medical Center in Jackson, nurse practitioner or something like that. And they can begin to talk to you and kind of help you. What are your symptoms? You talk about it. They, in some cases, may be able to point you in the right direction, maybe even diagnose and get something prescribed and right there where you are, it is a really cool initiative, and it's a cool thing. So check it out. And by the way, too, if you're a C-SPIRE customer, the copay on that is $29 a visit, which is a lot less than you would you would think. So that's the C-SPIRE Health app. Check it out if you have not already. All right, lots of ways for you to be a part of the show. I usually tell the, uh, you about those at the beginning of the hour. I'll do that now. With a heads up, in just a few seconds, we're going to talk uh, with – Steve Robertson, scheduled to anyway, Scout Steve R. Y'all know Steve. He's an author. Uh, been covering recruiting for Mississippi State at Gene's Page for a lot of years. We're going to talk with him. One of his cohorts at 24-7 Sports uh, had an article ranking SEC quarterbacks, so we're just going to talk a little football with Steve coming up. That's right around the corner. But you can go ahead and text me. You can call me. Text me on the country, please, and text at 885-ESPN. Call me on the Divinity phone, 995-1059. That's where we have Jay in Baltimore hanging on the Divinity phone. Jay, happy Friday to you, man. What's up? Happy Friday, Matt. A little bit of anxiety here in Baltimore as we head into a big weekend of baseball. Now, you and I talked, uh, gosh, probably about a month ago about a subject, and I don't know if you noticed, 
what happened in that seventh inning on Wednesday. But Lamonis employed a little small ball there. If you recall, Hatcher bunted a runner over, Mm -hmm. put some pressure on the pitcher. He throws a wild pitch. We move a guy to third, and Rowdy Jordan gets a hit that would have otherwise been an out. He stays on base, and then we get the home run. So uh, I guess Lamonis will play a little small ball, and I personally think this is a great way to get some competitive at-bats going. And I think we're going to see some this weekend. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, the um, the moment you're talking about, I saw it. And it stood out to me, Jay, because it's the first time we've seen it all year. You know, I, I'm yeah. watching it and I went, oh, wow, they just bunted a guy over. And, you know, to your <laughs> to your credit, I don't think I remembered all the sequence of events after that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they will. I guess they have been in a situation have not been in a situation prior to that where they felt like they needed to do that. Um, but at the same yeah, time, I could, was. well, I was just going to say, Jay, at the same time, I couldn't help, but you know, you just kind of wonder, you go, Hmm, okay. Is that a sign of a, a coach who's kind of got to a point and, and said, okay, listen, I, you know, our guys are not going to go out here and belt out 15 hits in this ball game. Um, I think that's what it is. I think you got some frustrated hitters, you got a frustrated coach, and mm-hmm. you're up five four and runs are a premium. So I, I don't know. I think it's just like I said, I think it's a way to get the guys involved and feel better about their bats. Hatcher was the one that bought him over. He's been struggling with left handed pitching. Uh so we're gonna face a lefty today and tomorrow. So I, I think that's why I say that's why we're probably gonna see some more small ball. So looking forward to a big weekend. Thanks, Matt. Yeah, appreciate you, Jay. Thanks. Uh, here we go, country please and text line. Today is National Chili Day. Um, making you aware of that if you have not been aware already. National Chili Day. A little bit of a debate going on earlier about beans in the chili or not. Roger is in the camp of he doesn't want beans in his chili. I even had somebody go so far as to text me and say that real chili does not have beans in it, which seems crazy to me because I think just about every bowl of chili I've ever had had beans in it. And I like chili. So we have a text here from Swayze that says, uh, chili isn't chili unless it has black beans in it. And the secret ingredient, dot, 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 beer. So people are making chili and they're cooking it with beer in it. That's new to me. I didn't know. But... I say it's new to me, and then immediately somebody follows up. It's another Patrick who says, you know what pairs great with chili? He says, craft beer. (laughs) And he says, and craft beer seller in original has one heck of a selection. So he texts me an advertisement, a free read and an ad, and I put it in there knowing kind of what it was. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. Some people put coffee in there so you could do your high point roasters oh, coffee. Oh my goodness. So we could make chili with coffee in it, huh? That that adds a that bitterness adds uh that somehow enhances the vegetal note. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh Jared on the country pleasing text line says, You'll find both to be common. This is something he found and, and sent me the screenshot. With one binding rule, the purpose of a chili tasting is to judge the meat and gravy. So beans are forbidden in competitive chili. Chili with beans is often more popular with the budget conscious because it's cheaper. I also don't like rice in my gumbo. Okay. 
I just want the good stuff. Jared, he sent me a couple of texts that I guess I didn't see earlier. He said, meat, beans, chunks of tomatoes, that's stew, not chili. The gravy is red-brown because of the color of the sautéed chilies, also from chili powder and paprika. I think we have on our hands a chili snob. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah. It sounds like he knows what he's talking about. But, you know, I wasn't talking, Jared, about a competition, all right, to the snobs who go to the chili competition and say, well, we're only here to taste the meat and the gravy, so beans are forbidden. I'm talking about chili because this very plainly says chili with beans is more popular. And just because it's budget conscious, got my hand up, I'm pretty sure most of the bowls of chili I have eaten in my life have been have come from some place of budget consciousness. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it and totally happy with that. All right. From chili to quarterbacks, how do you make that transition? This is how you do it. You flip it over to the uh, Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer, where Steve Robertson is hanging on, our friend, friend of the show. He is at Scout Steve R on Twitter, author, uh, podcast host, and uh, writer for Jeans Page and has been for a long time. Steve, before we go a step further, are you a chili connoisseur? I love chili. And you know, Matt, you know what goes well with chili? What's that? An autographed copy of Stark Village. That, <laughs> that goes really well with chili. So if we're giving out plugs. <laughs> I tell you what. Yeah, I mean, all the plugs are free today. They're all free. <laughs> How, how does somebody go about getting an autographed copy of Stark Villains while we're at it? Uh, well, I'm so glad you asked. You can go to StarkVillainsTheBook.com, and they'll ship that bad boy wherever you want. I'm sure. All but, right. But now, I, I, you know, you're right about being budget conscious. I remember many nights when I was broke as a young man, and you make a pot of chili in college, man, you could live off that for three days. Absolutely. Just keep heating that sucker up as long as the microwave didn't break, you know? That gum right. And it had beans in it, too had beans in it and it wasn't just filler you know or you could do like we used to do in elementary school when they would serve chili steve and then we would take like a handful of saltine crackers and crush them up and by the time we got through stirring that into our chili it was the consistency of a real solid paste <laughs> and we would just we'd eat it that way you know so there's <laughs> good times good times right lots of ways to enjoy chili hey uh, i didn't get you on to talk about chili i, I would I wanted to talk quarterback, Steve, because I saw something that made the light bulb pop on, and it was on the site where you work uh, for 24-7 Sports, one of your colleagues. I think the writer's a guy named Brad Crawford. I don't know Brad, but I found it interesting. And he he went about ranking the SEC quarterbacks going into 2020. And to um, not bury the lead, he put K.J. Costello number one who's transferring into Mississippi State. Did you see that piece that, that came out from him? I did. It was actually – Brad was actually referencing uh, Barton Simmons' uh, okay. rankings of the returning SEC quarterbacks, and uh, I was a little bit surprised, not not just – not based on K.J.'s talent, but, you know, I think Kyle Trask has done a great job in the Dan Mullen scheme and, you know, the fact that he'll have a full year under his belt and the benefit of spring practice and not have Felipe Franks looking over his shoulder – I personally would have gone that direction. But I do think it's interesting 
that people within the industry are, are looking at this KJ Costello transfer and saying, you know what, this guy can be a real difference maker for Mississippi State. Yeah. And, and Steve, I wonder, I keep wondering about this dynamic of, of the idea that he's not going to be there during the spring. I don't think it's necessarily a negative in terms of what he's going to be able to do or pick up the offense. I just wonder about these other quarterbacks who are going to go through spring. You know, like how does that all play out? Do you think? Yeah, it's like you're. It's like you're. You're competing, uh, knowing that chances are, even if you win a job in the spring, the guy that's kind of the heir apparent to be the starter is going to be here in June, and and so it is an interesting dynamic. And so I think you have to go into it with the mindset of this is what's best long term for me. I may not be the guy this year. But the foundation that I lay in spring practice right now will benefit me next year when I'm really competing to be the starter at Mississippi State. And you know, KJ Costello's walking in, but you don't you don't sign that guy to hold a clipboard. And I think everybody knows that. But I agree that it's kind of an awkward dynamic, knowing that everybody's going to compete, go through this, and work the install, and then the guy that's expected to be the starter won't be here until June. Yeah. Okay. So Barton Simmons, he made this list at Twenty Four Seven Sports ranking the SEC quarterbacks this next year. He has K.J. Costello number one. You mentioned Trask. If we were to put the the title on it, Steve, talent, let's rank these guys in terms of their talent. Where's Costello then? Well, I think Costello's ahead of Trask. I mean, that's the thing that I think is lost in translation with many people is that, you know, this time last year the talk was that K.J. Costello was going to be uh, was going to be an early declaration in the NFL draft. I mean, you know, he's supposed to be at the NFL Combine getting ready, you know, to show out and throw for, uh, you know, for NFL franchise uh, executives. Mm-hmm. And but because he got injured last year and, and uh, it was a, a bit of a uh, mitigated disaster in many respects at Stanford, you know, he needs to come back and kind of prove that that uh, that he's the guy that people thought he was. And there was there was still some talk that he might even declare this year. But some people close to him said, "Hey, you need to put some things on film and show that you're 100 percent healthy again." Uh, and so it's kind of one of those things where Stanford didn't expect him to be here, and they had already kind of made plans to prepare for life after KJ, and then he does like to return for the senior year. So Mississippi State kind of benefits from that, but. This is a guy that's a bona fide NFL guy that's expected right now to be taken in the first half of the 2021 draft. And with the year that if he, he can put up numbers comparable to what people expect, he can certainly work his way into the first couple rounds. Steve Robertson on your radio. So with state fans having just gone through the experience of Tommy Stevens transferring in, a little bit of a history of injury, I'm not at all comparing their careers prior to the transfer because they don't compare. But the the transfer with an injury history anyway coming in. Um how worried should should a state fan be or or let's just phrase it a different way. How do you feel uh about, you know, a kid like that coming in and being able to stay healthy for a whole year? It's always a concern, you know, and, and especially when a guy has, has had an injury that has kept him out for the majority of a season. But the deal with Tommy Stevens was that was kind of the, the book on him throughout his career in, in college at Penn State. It, it's not like it's a one-time incident, as we saw when he got here. And listen, you know, God bless the kid, but it's like he's made of glass. I mean, he gets here and he has, you know, 
has the shoulder injury, has a wrist injury, he has an ankle injury. I mean, it's just and he's just a guy, obviously, that is not very durable. He may love the game of football, but the game hasn't necessarily loved him back. Mm-hmm. You know, K.J. Costello has been healthy throughout his entire career until this past year. You know, and so you'd like to look at that and say that's really the outlier rather than the rule. And so, you know, I, I, I'm always concerned when you bring in a new quarterback. You know, I always worry about the chemistry of the team and that sort of stuff. But you know this, Matt, from being in that locker room. And you went through a pretty interesting situation with Wayne Madkin. But those guys around you, they wanted to win a football game. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, okay, well, I like this guy better. I like this guy better. They want the guy that's going to go out there and help them win a football game. And so that's why I think guys like K.J. Costello and even Tommy Stevens last year kind of integrated into the team you know, rather easily because of the fact that guys see them as, as players that can help them go win a football game. Steve Robertson. On your radio, he is at Scout Steve R on Twitter. Give him a follow if you uh, haven't already. So uh, back over to this ranking of SEC quarterbacks uh, by your colleagues there at 24-7 Sports. They have K.J. Costello, Mississippi State, number one. Now this is overall. They have Jamie Newman, quarterback, transfer from Wake Forest into Georgia at number two. And then Kellen Mond at three and Kyle Trask at four. So it's a list with two transfers at the very top. What does that say maybe uh, about the overall roster of QBs in the league, but also just about the transfer portal, the effect that it's having in college football, Steve? Yeah, both of those are great questions. You know, and, and I, it's one of those things when you look at the guys that are returning in the league, you know, outside of Kyle Trask, you don't look at anybody and say, Hey, you know, this guy's a real game changer. You got some game managers, you know, Garantano from Tennessee would did really well last year down the stretch, but you know, he's, he's really kind of a game manager plus, but I think what you're seeing, it's almost like the Russell Wilson thing. When Russell made the move, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh, this is such a big deal in college football. And he was really the pioneer of all this transfer stuff. You know, it's a grad transfer. And so, I think now what you're seeing is is you've got guys that are looking to improve their NFL stock and they're moving to Power 5-type conferences to try to boost you know, their pro potential in the eyes of, of NFL scouts. And so I think you're going to see more of this, not less of this. I don't think you're going to have a lot of grad transfers looking to go G5. They're going to want to take a step up in competition. And when you've got guys like KJ Costello that are that are looking to say, you know what, I, I need to go prove myself against the Alabamas and LSU's and Auburns of the world to prove that I can be a first or second round type draft pick, I think it makes these opportunities that much more inviting. Steve, um, as far as timeline goes, w- when is the first time state fans are going to get to lay their eyes on KJ Costello in Starkville? Well, I understand you. Yeah, they're on the quarter system at Stanford, and so I understand he'll be done with his coursework there in April, and and then we'll graduate, you know, in early May, and we'll make the move to Starville as quickly as he can. And you know, he'll be here. And I don't know all the legalities behind that as far as NCAA goes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, can you can you come in and work out with the team before you're officially enrolled? And that's something maybe we can get some clarification on, uh, kind of moving forward. But. You know, he'll be here as soon as he can be and kind of getting acclimated and getting settled and, and, and kind of getting integrated with his teammates. But uh, we know for sure he'll be here for summer workouts. And, uh, you know, with this scheme and hearing Gardner Minshew talk about it, I don't think he's going to have any trouble picking it up. Good stuff. Steve, as always, really appreciate it here on a Friday. Um, looking forward to the baseball weekend. We'll tell people they can find uh, where to find your content and also follow you on Twitter. I appreciate you. 
Thank you so much, brother. Take care. Yep, you too. That's Steve Robertson. As I said on Twitter, at ScoutSteveR. Y'all follow him there. You can find ways to order the book, Stark Villains. He's the author of that book. And then also um, a very successful podcast called The Boneyard with uh, Steve Robertson. Yeah, so what do you think if you're tuning into that? Um, again, it's a list. People do lists. You know, They're entitled to their opinions. This is a list uh, from someone at 24-7 Sports. They thought they would go ahead and throw their hat into the ring in February and uh, rank the SEC quarterbacks going into 2020. But they have K.J. Costello, number one, the transfer to State, and they have Jamie Newman, number two, the transfer to Georgia. Um, and I will tell you this, too. I, I just uh, briefly, I guess back when he did transfer, I went and watched a little K.J. Costello uh, video. Over the last couple of days while I was sick and just laying around, uh, when I did open my eyes, I popped the computer open. I, I watched a little K.J. Costello. I watched a, a game and he played against USC uh, two years ago, 2018. I also watched a game where they came from behind and beat Oregon in overtime. I think it was that same year, 2018. And one thing you do notice about him, uh, big, tall, and really incredible arm strength. Yes, accuracy, and it was some touch. But when he wanted to ramp it up, man, he could absolutely – RPM that football as good as anybody you'll see. Uh, so the talent's up there. There's no question about it. The talent's way up there. We'll see what you think. And then speaking of the NFL, we'll look at some combine results from the last couple of days. Who ran fast and who didn't? I'll tell you who next. Stick around. You're listening to The Matt Wyatt Show. Here we are, back on the show in the Farm Bureau studio. Farm Bureau, go with the home team. Hope you enjoyed the conversation with Steve Robertson talking quarterbacks. Got some texts about it on the Country Pleasing text line. We're going to get to those. But I just have to, I got to cover something here. I have to cover something. Uh, whether or not this is groundbreaking or not, I don't know. But it's 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 all about like uh, food snobs. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm gonna have a little fun with it. So Jared on the country pleasing text emphatically agreed with Roger. Amen, Roger, and then he followed that with five exclamation points. And no rice and gumbo. He says no rice and gumbo with four exclamation points. So. But here's I want us to have like I want us to do like a pragmatic exercise. You're making gumbo. You have everything in the pot that makes gumbo. And I'm not a gumbo expert. I wouldn't know. I'm just saying you have it all in there and it's on the stove. It's pretty close to being, you know, you know, ready to serve. And you come along and you add rice and you're telling me that you no longer have gumbo. Yeah, but slurry. <laughs> See, gumbo slurry. You just have gumbo with rice in it. Yeah. And that's like these people going, 
that real chili doesn't have beans and saying that in chili competitions you can't have beans in it. And you know they're putting a big old, two big old cups of rice in your bowl and then drizzling a little gumbo. Uh, over. Uh, That's not going to cut it. I see. So this is really about proportion as much as it is anything else. Yeah. Chili connoisseurs don't want their chili cut with beans. Gumbo connoisseurs don't want their gumbo cut with rice. But I just want to, just for the record. Put them in there to thicken the roux, just a little bit of rice. But I'm talking about when you've got the big mound. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. A bed of rice. You don't don't want your gumbo over a bed of rice, is what you're saying. I don't want the rice to be the primary uh, (laughs) food in that little combo. All right. I understand. Today is National Chili Day. At the website, nationaldaycalendar.com. It's prominent. NationalDayCalendar.com. Here's what it says. In Spanish, chili refers to chili pepper or carne means meat. Chili is most commonly made up of. Hold on, I got to get my sound effect ready here. Four effect. Well, I can't find it, so I don't know where it is. Chili is most commonly made up of tomatoes, beans, chili peppers, meat, Garlic, onions, and cumin. However, cooks offer up so many variations to the basic chili recipe, and with so many varieties, chili cook-off competitions love to feature chili as a favorite entry. Okay, so anyway, there's that. I'm just saying, at nationaldaycalendar.com, they say... I mean, that's who I go to for all my recipes. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. You're just echoing. Do your child work for them? (laughs) Okay. All right. Fine. I'll move on. Uh, The chili is a Tex-Mex food. I know that. It originated in northern Texas, maybe. Okay. Or southern Texas, northern Mexico. Right. Okay. Okay. uh, Country pleasing text. Country pleasing sauces on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. If you're watching online, look at that hat. Look at that hat. Big old red hog, country please, and look for it. It's the best. It's the best sausage. I'm telling you all right now, if you haven't tried it, as soon as you do, you'll agree with me. You'll see what I'm saying. They don't put junk in there. There's no parts going into the making and the ingredients of this sausage. It is hand-picked hams, bacons, and tenderloins, pork loins. That's why it tastes so good. That's what's in it. All right. Derek says... Matt, firstly, I don't understand why college baseball isn't covered better on ESPN. Secondly, why is it most teams are susceptible to losing the Sunday game of a three-game series? Is it fatigue or bullpen? Well, on the first part, in terms of coverage uh, at ESPN, the fact is that it doesn't have the national audience that the other sports have. It's gaining ground, Derek, as more and more sporting events now are covered then it's gaining some ground because it used to get no coverage outside of the College World Series on television. Now with the advent of the SEC network and the Big Ten network and the other conference networks and all the content online and stuff, there's more access to the college baseball programs, and it is slowly but surely growing. The The every day, every week following throughout the season is growing. Um, in 10 years from now, Trust me on this, Derek. In 10 years from now, you're going to look up 
and there will be much more college baseball regular season coverage and showing live games on big platforms because that following is going to grow because they're finally getting exposure they never had. But as it stands right now, the, I'll give you an example. The numbers, ratings for men's college basketball dwarf what baseball gets. Frankly, in, on many nights and in many areas, women's college basketball ratings on ESPN and others dwarf what baseball gets. The, the women's softball NCAA World Series, College World Series of softball, gets bigger ratings than the Baseball World Series gets. And that's just a fact of the matter and just kind of the way it is uh, at this point. It's just where we are right now. Real quick, uh, Jay in Baltimore on the Country Pleasing Text agrees with Roger. Roger, it's not a gumbo. It's not gumbo without rice. I said he agrees. He disagrees. Jay, let me get this right. Jay says, Roger, it's not gumbo without the rice. Okay, so now I've, now I've um, correctly stated his deal. And in regards to a list that had KJ Costello at number one, Jason texts us. And says, I'm not a fan of everyone talking up the quarterback and receivers projected stats using year eight from Washington State versus Pac-12 defenses as their template without mentioning that the offensive line probably isn't ready to support this offense. We kept quarterbacks hurt all year last season. How is that going to be any different? If Costello is already kind of injury prone, why is nobody mentioning the offensive line? I think year one of Mike Leach is going to be ugly. Yeah, Jason – Here's what I think. The last two years under Joe Moorhead, the offensive line was not coached well. <clears throat> Let's see how and and if we were to add up after this year's draft, I wonder how many offensive linemen off the last two Mississippi State teams will be drafted into the NFL versus what they had drafted at Washington State. Well, I mean the answer is going to be several more. Because off the first Joe Moorhead team, you have what Elton Jenkins, uh, and did Dion Calhoun get drafted or was he a free agent? I, all I know is he stuck and wound up starting for Miami, the Dolphins, and it's the Dolphins. But you're a starter in the NFL. Elton Jenkins off Moorhead's first team uh, might have been the best rookie offensive lineman in the NFL last year for Green Bay. This year, they're going to have two offensive linemen drafted off that team in Daryl Williams and in Tyree Phillips. And with all those draft picks and guys who, in short order, are going to be playing on NFL offenses, they were inconsistent, they were confused, they were poorly coached on the offensive line for two straight years. The direct comparison of those same players in that last year under Hevesy versus the first year under Coach uh, Johnson under Moorhead should tell you that too. So what I think is state fans are probably confident in their hope that you know it's not a talent issue. It just hasn't been. And it is a coaching issue. Um, that said too, I think uh, what I'll do is dive in and look. But I think from a scheme standpoint and what they're asking them to do standpoint, it's going to be a little different. Now, there are no guarantees. 
still no guarantees. You got to keep guys healthy, and everybody has somebody to get hurt. It's just a matter of who and where. Hey, hey, about to wrap it up with you here on this Friday. That'll wrap up the week. And, man, when Roger and I come back with you on Monday, we're going to be back at 100%. Our energy level is going to be through the roof. (laughs) We'll probably spend a lot less time talking about chili. Probably. Maybe. Hope to make some now. Now you've gotten to wanting some of it after we've been talking about it all day, haven't you? Well, the eagle's flying low. I got a little money in my pocket. <laughs> or gumbo, anyway. Yeah. Man, I'll tell you this. Based on the uh, country-pleasing text line texts, there are strong polarizing opinions on gumbo. Example already gave this one. Jay said, Roger, it's not gumbo without rice. Gator Nation said, it's not gumbo without rice, it's soup. (laughs) Tripp said, I don't care who's right. I won't eat chili without beans, and I won't eat gumbo without rice, and extra rice at that. And actually, again, Roger's the food connoisseur around here. He knows. He's, He's the one who said chili doesn't have beans, not supposed to have beans in it. And then sure enough, we look it up. If you go to a chili competition... None of them have beans in it. That's what we in the uh, food world call an amendment. <laughs> amendment? Yes. What? You've, you've amended the original dish. By putting something else in there? All the rice is is just the starch component of the meal. It's not really part of the gumbo. Yeah. <laughs> it's a complement to it. Right. But I understand some people like rice. Yeah. And some people go to the Chinese restaurant, and they got to get that pink sauce and dump it all over everything. Uh. Carla Danger over here on Twitter, I'm Radio Wyatt. She tweeted me and said, this is called the Irish Channel at uh, Southside Cafe in Slidell. It's chicken gumbo and seafood gumbo separated by potato salad. (laughs) Look at that. What do they call that? They call it the what? The Southside, it's called the Irish Channel. (laughs) Okay, so you got the Irish potatoes in the middle. That's right. You got potatoes in the middle, and it's seafood gumbo and chicken gumbo separated with that in the middle. I like that. And the potatoes, you know. Yeah. If y'all want to see that, she she tweeted at me. She's the oh, Carl starch. Danger. Yeah. yeah, you got it all right there. Yeah. That's it. Very cool. Uh, on the television this time of year for baseball conversation a minute ago, EJ Texas show, and he said basketball is in the way right now also. Yeah, people just want basketball this time of year. Uh, that's just the truth of it. Roger, thank you for the recipe, by the way. Very much appreciate that. Look at here, my man Adam Scott. Yeah, it's the same name. Now, not the guy who won the Masters. But he's almost as good looking as that Adam Scott. Adam Scott from the Mississippi State University Golf Course. They on Twitter are at Hale State GC. Follow him there. Uh, he texted me here on the Country Pleasing text line and said, Love that vest. Check out my vest. <laughs> See it? Look at there. It's got the baseball logo on it. Adam, earlier I showed them the inner, the the silky lining that's so soft on the inside of this thing. Man, I love this vest. So, you know, with a little symmetry here, I'm wearing a my, my Mississippi State vest from the Mississippi State University Golf Course. You can get yours as well. Hit them up on Twitter at Hale State GC or call them at 
325-3028. And I've also paired it with my uh, brand spanking new country pleasing sausage hat. And you're texting me about all of it on the country pleasing text line. Isn't that cool? Doggone says to be gumbo, all you need is the Trinity, not rice. <laughs> the Trinity. So that's that's some that's uh, onion. And I think in the Trinity, it's uh, instead of mirepoix, which is French. So the uh, Trinity is onion, celery, and green bell peppers. I think. Okay. In French, it would be carrots, onions, and baby peppers. I'm not sure. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, Roger, you recognize this song? I'm going to play it for you. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean... A movie that became a series. One of the longest running of all time. Yeah. That's the MASH theme song. It's actually a song. It's a... The name's awful. I think it said the... The name of the song is Suicide is Painless. But anyway. Yeah, you got to listen to the one with lyrics sometimes. Yeah, I started to. And then very thought-provoking. Yeah. Um, so anyway, MASH was the show. Y'all know the show MASH. This is the day that they had the finale of that show uh, back in 1983. So it was on February 28th. 1983 was the finale of MASH, and it still is to this day the most watched television episode uh, ever. Over 50 million people watched that last episode of MASH. Now, all of their episodes were 30 minutes, except that one was a much longer deal. And uh, Alan Alda went on every game show in the world. <laughs> I bet. Alan yeah. Alda. Yeah, that last one where he flew off in the helicopter and they had spelled out the word goodbye on the ground with some rocks or whatever. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that that's there's your historical point back uh, for today's show. Hey, uh, real quick, we have time. The Combine is going on. If you're curious, here's what you need to know. All right, so quarterbacks, a bunch of them ran the 40-yard dash yesterday. Here are the fastest quarterbacks at the Combine. You ready? The fastest 40-yard dash time at the Combine by a quarterback, Cole McDonald from Hawaii. None of y'all expected that. Not one of you expected Cole McDonald from Hawaii to be the fastest quarterback out there. 6'3", 215 pounds from California, Cole McDonald. He can throw it, too. He ran a 4.58. Jalen Hurts, former Bama QB out of Oklahoma, ran a 4.59. So you're talking about a, what, a one-hundredth of a second there. But 4.58, 4.59. Jalen Hurts, you know, we always believed that he was a 4-4 guy. He just run away from people. That just shows you, though, I mean, sometimes there is a difference in game speed versus 40-yard dash speed. It's a lot about, you know, start, stop. So you take someone who can get to their top-end speed faster than everybody else, and they're going to appear faster in the games than someone who's just top-end blazing speed. You know, there are some people who don't start as fast, but they get to top-end and they can really... They can really motor. But this is huge right here. Uh, 
Justin Herbert, who's one of the top three quarterback prospects there, ran a 4.68 uh, 40-yard dash time. That's the third fastest. The other two top prospects, being Joe Burrow and Tua Tonga-Valoa, they did not run a 40-yard dash. Others of note, how about this? One of the, Let's see, the sixth fastest quarterback there, Shea Patterson, former Ole Miss QB out of Michigan, ran a 4.71. That's pretty good. That's moving pretty good. Kid's an athlete. I was very surprised to see that Nate Stanley out of Iowa ran a 4.81, and then I think he's an NFL quarterback. Jacob Eason, big old rascal, former Georgia QB out of Washington, ran a 4.89. Jake Fromm, Georgia, five flat. That's slower than y'all thought. <clears throat> so there you go. I think the best time I ever ran in a 40-yard dash with, of course, is a hand time. I was a 4-8 my sophomore year of college. I was slower before that and slower afterwards. <laughs> Jake Fromm, 5 flat. That's not a great time. I don't know that it really matters as much, a 40-yard dash time with the quarterbacks. What about the bench press with the quarterbacks? I don't know that they've done that yet. I think they still have to do that. Now, you've heard about it already, some of the wide receiver times. Henry Ruggs. Apparently, Henry Ruggs uh, III out of Alabama had this reputation of he was going to go in there and set a record. Apparently, you know, he was confident. Others were confident. And I even watched the video clip. What's crazy about this? This receiver out of Alabama, he runs his first 40 yard dash time and they go 4 2, whatever. And the guy on TV starts going, ah, oh, he, he's going to be disappointed with that. I'm like, what? Disappointed with it. But he ran a 4-2-7. Okay, so he missed setting the record, the combine record, by, what, five one-hundreds? But he ran a 4-2. Henry Ruggs at Alabama is going to go really highly. The second fastest receiver at the combine was Quez Watkins out of Southern Miss, ran a 4-3-5. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any others there as far as receivers that, you know, Jerry Judy was a 4-4-5, and Stephen Guidry, 4-4-7. It's a really good time for Stephen. 6-3 kid to go out there and run 4-4-7. Man, the speed in that receiver group, I mean, you're talking about somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 guys that receivers that all went to this combine and ran a sub 4 5 40. And I know that you expect receivers in that class to be really fast, but I don't know. I mean, like every year, man, they get faster, don't they? Really? You had one guy this year run a 4-2, and you had six others, four, no, five other receivers run 4-3-something. That just does not happen every year. Anyway, it'll be interesting to see like how this shakes out. Be glad when we finally get to the draft, know where people are going to play. That won't happen until April. All right, look, enjoy your baseball weekend. We'll recap it all on Monday, get back to 100%. Look forward to talking to you all then. Okay, for Roger, I'm Matt. See you then. See you. You've been listening to The Matt Wyatt Show.